Welcome to the CrewCast, the official podcast for the Creative Writing Club at the University of Alberta. My name is Jake, who maybe shakes, and today I bring you another episode where I interview one of the authors from the Creative Writing Club anthology. Her name is uh, Shelby Marler. She is our resident poet, cupcake expert. Uh, oh, uh, here's the interview. All right, I got the I got the first question for you, Shelby, if you would so kindly. Gotcha. All right, gotcha. so uh, how did you get into poetry in the first place? Well, I wouldn't really say that I wrote a lot in my early days. Not all oh. really. I was more so a fiction gal. Um, well, I had a particular idea in mind. I still am working on to this day, right? And that's probably been the biggest project I've got working on. But I... I would say I really started to write poetry right around the time that I was reading Edgar Allan Poe and William Blake's work. So like 15 or 16, right, was really when I really, really when I started to get into it because the way that they crafted their words and the way that they the way that they put out their messages, right, was something, you know what I mean, the style in which they did it was something that attracted me so much. Like there was an extra layer in the poetry that I felt that I was missing when I read fiction, and I thought, you know what, I want to do this too, right? So it, it kind of started like that, and again, good poems, bad poems. Most of my very early work I either had in my mind, didn't write down, or are long gone now. So actually, the only the only piece I still have left from those days is is Tranquil's Toll, my kind of first ever poem, if you could say. If you look hard enough on the internet, you might be able to find it. But, oh my god, is yeah, it on it was, Tumblr? Um, no, it's not on Tumblr. Um, it was a Remembrance Day poem, uh, Once Upon oh. a Time. Wrote it um, for my graduating year and um, performed it performed it for a Remembrance Day ceremony there. Yeah, so just like, um, just like this poem where Grace Forever Lays was about my great-grandfather... Um, the poem that I wrote for Remembrance Day was about, was about my great great uncle, who was a flight sergeant in the Royal Canadian Air Force back in the day, World War Two. Oh, I didn't know that. More you learn. <laughs> okay, they actually answered a, a question that I already had. It was um, when I was reading the poem. The narration of the poem indicates that there's a person uh, trying to console someone through the process of grief. So my question to you is. Yes. Were you trying to like work through a particular stage or was it like a, a journey for all the stages of grief? And did you, well, since the poem was dedicated to someone, were you, how much of it were you mm-hmm. pulling well from yourself? Well, all of it, pretty much. I always imagined this poem to be Grandpa Lloyd speaking to all of us, all of the Marlers um, back down here on earth. So it's about all of us sort of having this grief together because in a way, well, great grandpa was, when he died, he was the last of um, the greatest generation from our family. So in a way, it was almost like an end of an era for all of us, right? For me and I think for our family, it was, it was a universal grief, not just for his life, but none of us can really say we have a firsthand experience of it's a great it's definitely a greater grief so okay so what about your um your grandfather was it and his generation did you found was um so important to highlight in your poem the grace 
right? The grace of that time, right? That's why it's called Your Grace Forever Lays, right? It was definitely a different mood, I think. It's a very hard thing to describe. I mean, I have anybody who knows me in person knows I have always been drawn to the early century, early and mid-century. But there was something about it that just seems like such a different time from the time that we live in now, right? Because <laughs> right now, it's kind of horrible. Like, just at the beginning of the year, everyone thought we were going to have, like, <laughs> World War Three, and then, like, all of a sudden, now there's, like, this pandemic. But also, um, if I'm wrong, that's... He also went for World War Two, right? Mm -hmm. That is true. So there's a great amount of strength in, in the generation as well, right? It took a lot of just uh, just besides besides having to experience the hardships and the horrors of of the war not only but not only that too but the great depression my grandpa was born in ni 1916 so he would have been mm. a young lad so it took a lot of strength and perseverance to the greatest generation as well i think all right um i've noticed um from reading your poem there's a lot of mention of of god so is that where the, your grandfather or where most of the strength is drawn from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Marlers are Catholic. Um, Great-grandma was very Catholic. I mean, Grandpa Lloyd, not so, not so much, but definitely still, but definitely still very religious, right? So it's an important part of our lives. It's starting to become a very important part of my life as well. So for us, so for us, that is kind of, where I sort of draw that strength, and and then the strength comes in knowing that he's in a better place now as well. I imagine the poem as him, kind of speaking down, down to us and kind of reassuring us it's okay, like you'll get through it. You know what I mean? I'm here and everything is, everything is okay, right? At the very first line, it's you know you mentioned that it's he's in death right now, and there's this um, a sense of sorrow was just opening it with that fact but at the very end you you mentioned that it's in heaven that at the very end he's in a better place so yeah i do understand what you mean mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah now i now i remember what i'm gonna say now i've always imagined this as a positive like eulogy much like the eulogies you would see on the you would um experience in funerals too right so that was so that was sort of the framework for this poem right um that sort, that sort of reassure the reader. When you watch um, someone suffer in their last years, right, you want nothing more for them than, than the best, right? After all the battles that they have had to endure. I think, I mean, regardless of how you feel, right, religiously, I think that's probably one of the most important things that you can do for, can do for yourself you know what I mean? I mean, at least think that the suffering is over, right? It it's no longer exists, wherever they may be, if they are anywhere. I find if you don't write about it and you keep running away from the reality of the situation or you keep running away from the things that scare you, they'll, you'll never be able to truly face them or to truly accept them. So that's one of the reasons why I write poems like this right do you do you find it to get these certain messages across more effectively through like 
like short form poetry or for like long form fiction? Because you did mention that you write both, right? That's a hard question. I mean, I love writing poetry because because of how stylistic you can be with it. But in all honesty, too, sometimes fiction can be better when it comes to being straightforward with things, right? And especially very serious issues, I think that's the best thing to do. Either way, you can be successful with it. But I do actually think fiction is better when you when you really, really need to make sure that there's no ambiguity with what you're speaking about. Because one of the things about... Um, unfortunate but unfortunate things about poetry is that one poem can have multiple different interpretations from person to person and yeah depending on what you're talking about that's not always the best thing okay so when you were uh writing this poem did you find it challenging or fun since you had like basically fewer words to work with compared to like a bloated long form piece oh yeah yeah well, even even some some of my other poems too can get quite a bit longer here. I'd say this was easy because I well I stuck with a particular meter and you know what I mean rhythm and length and all that for each of the lines. So it wasn't like I had to do a whole bunch of playing around too. But it's kind of like I already had an idea in my mind. Okay, this is what I want to get through. This is what I want to. This is what I want to say. And whereas with some of the I'd say more nuanced poems that I've written. It's it's been a headache to try and figure it out, right? So, yeah. Thankfully, this is this is probably one of the funner poems I have written, right? Even though even though it's not the funnest topic, <laughs> the funnest to craft, I think. I'd say. <laughs> so you find writing eulogies super fun. That doesn't give the wrong impression. You're giving me the wrong impression. You're like, yeah. I'm like, I'm don't say that. I'm so glad don't he's dead. I get that. to write his eulogy. Yeah. Finally. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 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 Yeah. No. But it's just the. I think it's just the rhythm, right? The rhythm was easy to get into. The rhythm was easy to shape, right? Uh, is there was there like a particular reason why you chose the certain like rhythm and meter? Eh, it's just kind of my kind of my thing. I didn't want to be too out there, right? With this, especially if I wanted, especially if I wanted my other the other Marlers to read it too, right? I wanted it to be something that was accessible accessible to them, um, so and and easy to read, right? So because if this is going to be a poem about one of my family members it's it's only fair enough that the that the people who also knew grandpa lloyd are able are able to experience this poem as well wow so you could have gone even crazier that would have oh, been oh yeah that would yeah, have been I mean, something i mean there are, i've i have a few i have a few projects that haven't been published yet that are a bit <laughs> i have worked on for a few years but i haven't had any luck with getting them out there but it's that's the unfortunate thing too sometimes with poetry once you start once you start taking certain risks or staying within a certain or if you stay within a certain style like a classical style like i do and start playing around with that too it can get it can get risky and not everybody is going to like it in fact i find a lot of people tend to be turned off in general by my work publishers that is right 
most of the time they send it back and we're like, ah, oh, this is just, this is too old style. One time, somebody who was looking over my work described um, reading it as a medieval tomb. Thing. So I was like, okay, all right, that's interesting. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Did you just write it all in old English or something? <laughs> Speaking of old English, that's a whole. If you ever, if you ever actually take um old English, um English four hundred nine um with Dr. Considine here at the U at the University of Alberta, English major or anything like that, or even if you don't even, I don't think you even have to be. I'm not sure what the prerequisites are, but um. But yeah, you get to learn about a whole bunch of old English poetry and all that. And, and they actually had like two separate stanzas, kind of. Like kind of like one stanza at one side, another stanza at the other side. Just the nature of the language, too. So that's that's actually a really cool thing about poetry, too, is it? It's depending on what language you read it in, is it, it, can, be, it can be so different, right? Because stuff gets lost in translation. That, speaking of translation, when you get... It's either you have to make the choice between the style or the, the content, right? Oftentimes, too, I'd say go for go for the content, right? Because then you might at least be able to extrapolate from just looking at looking at the poem, even if you don't understand what it's saying, sort of get a feel of the of the style, right? So yeah, it's like uh, looking at a collage of just words, and you just get not more of like a like a plot, but like just yeah. a, a feeling, yeah. and a sense. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, that's you're halfway there. Now you just gotta translate. <laughs> I'm only halfway there. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the old English part. Yeah. Because it's not like a, a Shakespeare English, right? Where it's no. like, oh, at least I get to recognize these words. Well, you can't recognize some words, right? But once you once you actually get into the real old English, yeah, no, it's it's pretty much like a it's pretty much like a whole different language, almost. I tried. Tried to write something, a poem in Old English, but failed miserably. Because for one thing, I didn't, I didn't start with the two stanzas, and I don't, I didn't really know what I was doing, really. <laughs> but I, what I despise anybody who says that it's a dead language, because if it weren't for Old English, we wouldn't be speaking English right now, right? It did form the foundation of our conversation right now. So, there you go. I don't know. I like to think that someone did find like these old manuscripts of old English like texts for like whatever, but then they gave it a look and they're like, "Oh, dude, I'm not going to read any of this." And he just like crumbled it and just like threw it in the trash. There was like someone was probably drunk when they wrote this. <laughs> oh god, I hope like, not. Like you just find like a bunch of these like old texts like in a wastebasket. It's like, "Where where have these all where have these been all this time?" It's like, <gasps> "Oh, that's old English? What the f Oh, no. Yeah, there will be a lot of angry yeah. people, a lot of angry scholars <laughs> in that yeah. case. But at least it's there, right? I mean, many of them, yeah. many of them were lost in fires, yeah, right? Well, anyway, let's, let's get back on track. Sure. <laughs> yeah. That was a fun digression, though. It was yeah. Pretty funny. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. So, um, so since you've written your, like, poem with, like, a certain meter and a rhythm, mm -hmm. did it make it, like, any... Was it easy or hard whenever you were like going through the editing process? It gets harder as you sort of narrow things down because it's because sometimes you get those drafts where you're like, I'm not sure exactly what's happening or what's what's going on, but there's something there's something wrong and trying to fix it 
is some can sometimes be a pain, right? So that happened a few times, or trying to get trying to get things to rhyme and trying to get things to fit within that within that meter can be frustrating too, especially if you already sort of free wrote your poem. And I I tend to do that first, do the content and then sort of shape the content to to the form. So sometimes you can get a bit sometimes you can get a bit of stumbling blocks, but it's all about being very economical with your words, choosing the best words for the best effect, and saying things in the most concise manner as well. It can really help you with getting to that stage of, yes, this is actually in a meter. So yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Well, uh, since each word is like impo important <coughs> in a poem, did you ever have like any like heated arguments with your editor as to like, like whether you should include like and, or or just something Actually, like that. Actually, I got I gotta let out a secret. This this draft is like the first and final draft, the one that you're gonna be seeing in the anthology. So I didn't, I didn't actually have any edits oh. to it, but yeah, I think to answer your question though too, there, you get heated arguments with yourself about how to use, whether or not to use and or whether you to use but or to. Because you're like, well, it could sound cool, but it do it doesn't fit. Or you could be like, it it fits with the form, but I don't like I don't like how it sounds, right? Sometimes you're forced to make a difficult decision, but usually, if I find if I'm if I'm at that point, I'm like, you know what? It's not worth it to sacrifice. You're best off to just rewrite the line, right, in a different form, and hopefully, you get better results. Is there like a particular line in the poem where you found the most trouble writing? Uh, ooh, that's a tough question. Um, I'd say in the third stanza. I'd say in the third stanza, last last three lines there. Um, I was, those were probably like the last lines that I added in that were sort of sort of new, right? I think it was more so. I'm here in the kingdom of heaven. Um, I don't remember quite quite what I wrote down, but I ended up getting rid of that and changing that whole section, and then adding those last two, adding those last two lines there. So especially when I was really really making sure that this was perfect for the anthology, that gave they get that gave me a headache for sure. <laughs> okay, uh, what what was it like to edit poetry instead of writing it? Was it like a different that was a lot harder, right? It's oh. a lot harder, right? Because you can't uh, you can't put yourself into the mind like the the mind exactly of your of your author, right? So it it definitely requires a lot of communication on both people's parts, right? To and you know what I mean, trying to really understand what the what the purpose and what the effect that the author wants um, wants to get really is, and making sure. That that comes across clearly, I think it. I think it's just because you, you know what I mean. When you're working with different styles, like pretty much, I'd say Amy Church just was, was the closest to my style, but to sort of, but I had to put myself in the minds of the styles of my other, of my other authors as well. So that was a that was a challenge, right? Because as much as I'm like, yeah, I'm a classical poet, but you definitely write in a much more modern style, so. So sometimes it can, it can be a bit of a wrestle to try and work with that, um, but 
But I think that um, kind of the beauty that comes with editing a wide range of poems too is the is the variety you get yourself exposed to, right? So I think not being able to just write just one style or be able to be familiar with and work with one style is is, is a very useful skill, right? Because kind of like it's kind of like too if you even if you even if you like know or are not very familiar with classical poetry, I always say you got to know the rules to break the rules, right? Even that comes with even even with modern poetry, no modern poetry, to sort of work your way around or with with the styles of the time and use that sort of to establish your own ground. So, one of the things that this um, this editing process has really taught me is to really seek that out, right? Don't be afraid of it, even though might not exactly seem like something that rings to you at first. All right. Uh, that's all I got for you today, Shelby. All right. Well, thank you for having me, Jake. <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, see you later. All right. See you. Thank you. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Shelby Marler. You can find her poem and many other creative works from our club in our debut anthology, uh, liminal space which will be released on november 19th so do stay tuned and i have nothing else to say so uh, have a good day guys bye, -bye.